Welcome, um, my name is Alice Hardy. I'm the Communications and Impact Manager for the UCL Institute of Healthcare Engineering, um, or the IHE for short. Um, so I'm uh, part of the team that was involved in the Tomorrow's Home project, um, and a part of the same team as Marilyn Aviles, one of our speakers and the driving force behind the project. So if you're not familiar with the IHE, it might be helpful for me to tell you a bit about who we are. Essentially, our mission is to develop medical technologies that improve people's lives. Uh, the Tomorrow's Home exhibition, which took place in between January, between November 2021 and January 2022 uh, at the Museum of the Home, imagined how medical technologies could be embedded in our home lives 30 years from now, all the way from immersive AI experiences through to smart toilets at the other end of the spectrum. So today's session is going to be a reflective look back at the exhibition, how it came together, who was involved, the themes that we touched upon, and also the lessons that we learned from the process. Um, we're also going to explore some of the questions left unanswered. Um, unfortunately, Ben Littlefield, the BEAMS Public Engagement Manager, um, who was heavily involved in the project, is unwell today and can't join us, um, but we still have the incredible Mine, Kian and Marilyn. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to hand over to each of our speakers to introduce themselves. Um, Mine, would you like to go first? Hey, thanks, Alice. Uh, first, I would like to thank UCL for giving us, our team, this opportunity to mention about our tomorrow, so a very exciting project. Uh, my name is Mine Orlu. Uh, I'm Associate Professor in Pharmaceutics at UCL School of Pharmacy. My research focuses mainly on designing advanced drug delivery systems and healthcare technologies for special patient populations, and I have a particular interest in designing healthcare therapies for aging society, and I had the greatest opportunity to become the PI, co-PI, sorry, co-PI of this uh, Tomorrow's Home project. Thanks, Benet. Kian. Hi folks, my name is Kian O'Donovan. I'm a Senior Research Fellow at the Department uh, of Science and Technology Studies. Um, I research the politics and policies of innovation, and in particular, I focus on digital transformations in long-term care. Thanks, Kian. Marilyn. Hi everyone, my name is Marilyn Avilas. I'm the Research and Development Manager at the Institute of Healthcare Engineering. As Alice said, I've been in post for about three and a half years now, but previous to that, I've worked in the NHS in a variety of settings, one of which is clinical trials, some of which are operational um, pathway development. My background is in anthropology and geography from UCL as well. Wonderful. Mine, would you like to begin? Sure, thanks, Alice. Um, actually, we would like to make a start about tomorrow's home by sharing how we uh, began to this journey as a team. Uh, I am very passionate about public engagement, and I follow UCL's wonderful UCL culture and public engagement units, events, projects, trainings. Uh, and one of them was, I think, back in 2019 in Bloomsbury Theatre. Uh, organized by UCL Culture uh, to bring UCL researchers together with external partners. 
Uh, and on that event, I was very fortunate to sit on the row and at the back, I was hearing some conversations about uh, using uh, different you know, venues, uh, some creative approaches about um, public engagement. And it was, it was wonderful. And I just turned to my uh, colleague uh, who I know uh, previously, and he introduced me to the liminal space uh, who are the experts in public engagement project design. And the conversation has started uh, about the Tomorrow's Home. Tomorrow's Home is a creative public engagement project funded by the prestigious Royal Academy of Engineering's Ingenious Awards. And the key focus uh, of the project is about raising the awareness about science, technology, uh, and healthcare engineering, uh, and how it can affect actually to people's um, well-being, uh, as well as inspiring the young generation of engineers to learn more about the public engagement. So we had this opportunity. Uh, I thought that healthcare engineering is, is the main team that we should go and uh, share more with the public and the young generation of engineers. Uh, and I knock uh, Marilyn's uh, door, uh, who is the research uh, and development um, a, a manager of uh, IHE, and uh, Professor Rebecca Shipley's uh, door, uh, who is the director of the uh, IHE, to share my interest about uh, starting conversations about public engagement. Marilyn, would you like to continue uh, about our journey? Thank you, Mine. Will do. So, as Mini said, um, we, we got together really to, to kind of uh, bring together the ideas behind tomorrow's home. So, my role in it is as project lead and project manager. And um, with Rebecca Shipley, we must mention her as uh, IHE director, who is the principal uh, investigator for this project. So basically, what is Tomorrow's Home? So Tomorrow's Home, to quote our, our colleague Ben Littlefield, who can't be with us, is an ambitious and complicated project, which basically is delivering to, to different um, kind of di different elements and different work streams and trying to bring across different people from within UCL as well as outside UCL to work together and deliver not only the project itself, but basically an immersive exhibition itself that would that we co-developed with the liminal space. Um, and, and as part of this, it's a public engagement activity, which involves training UCL academics in public engagement, but also engaging with the public so that they can feed back to our academics and get involved with their research. On top of that, Tomorrow's Home itself is a conceptual idea, it's a conceptual space and the concept itself is really all about being able to look forward into the future um, to explore both as academics and non-academics the way in which our home and our health and our identity are so closely intertwined and really how technology permeates through um, all of this at different levels. So there's a conceptual idea, there's the delivery of the project, there's the delivery of the immersive exhibition, and then there's the public engagement that was occurring um, as part of all that. So it was a complex <laughs> and big project when we started. And we started at the time where um, the pandemic also uh, just began. So, so we got the funding around about, I think, um, 2019, late into 2019. And then our, start, uh, our sort of 
you know, the green light to, to begin the project was um, February 2020. So this was being delivered in the context of the pandemic um, literally happening. So just I'll give a bit more of a background about what inspired the Tomorrow's Home, and then I'll go through um, this, uh, the, the, um, the, the slides very, very quickly, um, just to show you the pictures of, of uh, the exhibition. So firstly, um, the Tomorrow's Home was inspired really by three key themes. One is healthy aging, which Mine has already alluded to, and healthy aging is one of the research priority areas um, within the IHE. Secondly, again, the germ of the idea was really inspired by the EPSRC's transformative healthcare technologies for 2050, which basically asked for um, engineers and researchers to submit sort of um, sky blue thinking technologies that could really transform healthcare. And um, as I was reading through these wonderful ideas and proposals, I was sitting there thinking, I wish I could fund all of them. I wish I had the money to make them all happen because it sounds like they're gonna do amazing things if, if you know we could, could make these happen. So many myself, Dan Taylor, who was our public engagement manager at the time, Melanie Howard and Sarah Douglas all came together. I want to name, name them here because they're you know, really key to, to the development of this. All had a kind of a what if conversation and we kind of said, well, wouldn't it be nice if you know, we imagine this home with all these technologies and it's measuring everything and anything about us. And then the concept of, you know, actually, will this make us happy as human beings? Will it make us healthy as human beings? Or actually, will it change our relationship with our homes? And in that respect, will it change our relationships with ourselves as human beings? And actually, what does that mean in terms of how we age, how we become? Uh, and is it necessarily going to be better? Because I think sometimes when we talk about technology, there is a real positive, positivity bias in how we, we engage with technology. And that sometimes we forget to think about how they make us feel. And perhaps, you know, um, it'll be nice to, to explore really as to whether will we be comfortable in a home that monitors everything about us, that, that you know, have a toilet that tells us what to do or not to do, which the exhibition kind of showed us. So, so that's, that's a kind of the germ of, of the idea. And then related to this really is the theme around responsible innovations and, and how we work towards the framework of um, the EPSRC's um, area framework. So area stands for anticipation, reflection, engagement and action. And I think um, this very much provided, at least for me as project manager, the kind of clarity of vision of what it is we're trying to do with this as a project, merging all the different elements of the exhibition creation, the public engagement, uh, and, and making that a both way sort of conversation, not just a one way direction in, in that public engagement area. So really uh, at the heart of this is, is um, for me anyway, as project manager, a license really to kind of, it's an artistic license to imagine the future and a question mark about whether, you know, will we provide a better future if we bring in all these technologies into our homes? And the, the responsibility innovation, uh, responsible innovation framework very much allowed us to have this, this space. And again, quoting 
our colleague who couldn't be here, um, Ben Littlefield. It provided for us a safe space in which to engage with people, but also it's a level playing space in which both experts and non-experts can actually imagine what the future is for us as a society, and also as, as us as individuals and, and how we can create hopefully a, a better framework in which we can engage as, as partners really in how we develop the future. Because although expert has so much to, to contribute in terms of, of um, creating that future in terms of technological innovations, I think the public and, and the, I don't want to call it non-expert because I think we're all expert in terms of our health, we're all expert in terms of who we feel we want to be, we're all expert in terms of, of how we want to mediate our health with the use of technology. And our hope with, with the exhibition was very much have this space for this engagement, a space for reflection, um, and to ask difficult questions really uh, of ourselves as well as, as, as our researchers. So this is um, the entrance to the, the exhibition itself and the first thing you see on, on the on the right of, of, of the entrance is really sort of what are you looking for for the future. Uh, and this is just some pictures of the people who were there at the exhibition. Next slide, please. So as this one says, um, our approach was really to deliver a creative public engagement uh, exhibition, which we sort of allowed us to anticipate, reflect and engage with some very fundamental, fundamental issues about how we age, how we age well as individuals and how we age well as a society. So inherent to this is the role of science, technology and engineering and the role they play in mediating our experience and self and sense of well-being. So I put this in the quote because actually this is what we put in in the um, the grant application we gave to the Royal Academy of Engineering's Ingenious Award. Next slide, please. So this just really gives an overview of the um, of everybody involved as part of the project delivery group and state stakeholders. So um, we have um, you know our key um, partner, the Liminal Space, who very much led on the creative development of the exhibition and who really um, put in place their their very unique technique in terms of engaging with ideas and getting the ideas from our academics and turning this into really sort of um, interesting, insightful, thought-provoking pieces in the um, exhibition. We have the Museum of the Home, who again played an important role in actually providing for us a space in which to hold the exhibition. And their contribution is massive in, in that they provided a lot of in-kind support for the exhibition itself, the, you know, the space, as well as everything else that goes on into creating this, this space uh, for the exhibition. We have our community partners who are very much part of the project team, the project core team, who um, gave advice and ideas as to how we can do this and, and you know, keeping in mind the needs of the communities as well in how we move things forward. Then we have the IHE wider group. We have UCL partners, our public engagement team, who uh, is this the heart of, of you know, ensuring that what we do um, is, is kind of meaningful in the way in which we engage with the public, but also in the training they provided for our academics and engineers. And uh, then we have our UCL academics, who again is, is the, at the heart of, of um, what is in the exhibition and their research is very much inspired 
what we presented as part of their exhibition. So it, it was it's a massive group uh, and there's a lot of moving parts uh, in terms of just bringing people together and ensuring that you know everybody is signed into the vision of what we're trying to do and then um, ensuring that all the way through the project everybody is continually involved and and you know we, we maintain the buy-in from everybody given that also in the context of the pandemic we basically had um moments of great uncertainties as to whether we were able we will be able to deliver this as an in-person event and a lot of the training programs that, did, that was developed by the uh, liminal space the workshops themselves were supposed to be in person um, activities. Um, there was a lot of waiting to see whether we could find that window of opportunities to do things in person, but effectively everything was, was done online because we didn't have much choice. Can we have the next slide, please? So the next two slides is just an illustration of how the liminal space has managed to um, bring these ideas online using very creative techniques uh, with things like Miro. But for them, as much as for us, this is very much a learning space in how we deliver and create something like this all being online. Uh, so it was a massive learning curve for everybody. Next, space. next slide, please. This is again just a, a mock-up of what the exhibition looked like in situ and how it was organized and again the way in which we've kind of had to do this as, um, as an online sort of uh, engagement workshop activity with between our academics and the liminal space. Next slide please. So this is the entrance to the exhibition itself and the way in which it's been developed is very much a storytelling exhibition so um, when you come into the exhibition you're presented to three characters we have Kai who's a teenager we have Mo who is a retired teacher and we have Charlie who has cerebral palsy and the idea really is to introduce them and the context of their lives through the components of um, of technologies in the exhibition itself so the idea is that you know, in 2050, uh, it's multi-generational living. The concept really is not about presenting a smart home where you have, you know, shiny gadgets, which are, you know, um, images that's that's more associated with, with um, richer families. The Tomorrow's Home is very much about messy, real, complicated lives where people are making the most of, of um, what they've got and, and living in a condition where there is continual environmental degradation, um, health concerns, and, and having technologies which don't appear as technologies in the home because they are so embedded in the fabric of home life. Can we have the next slide, please? So this is just images of, of what, what, what it looks like. Um, we can share the slides with you if you're more in, a bit more interested in, in what things were in, in place. But basically the idea is your kitchen bin records the food waste that you have. So it keeps an eye on, on what it is you're doing. And there is this automatic accounting system that, that kind of gives you credit if you're recycling things, for example. Um, sort of um, meat for um, meat consumption has declined um, and Mo and um, sorry Mo and Charlie um, for example sort of don't eat meat anymore they tend to eat um, sort of 
products that, that are um, manufactured, really. So next slide, please. I'm going to rush through this because I know I'm running out of time. So um, this is another image of the exhibition. So here, for example, all the mugs have been fitted with sensors and devices. Um, so you, you don't really even sometimes forget that, you know, um, your health is being monitored because it's so embedded in the everyday utensils around you. Next slide, please. And again, we, we had a talking toilet in the exhibition, which, which got a lot of attention from people and, and the idea of um, a mirror who nags you and tells you that actually the minute you turn up and then show your face in the mirror, it, it'll tell you how, how well you're doing, as it were, how tired you are and you know how many hours sleep you've had. Next slide, please. So effectively, that's just a glimpse of what the exhibition looks like. As Alice said earlier, it ran for about eight weeks in the museum uh, of the home. Uh, alongside the exhibition itself, we actually also um, created uh, something called the uh, conversation series. This is basically nine public webinars with um, themes around the concept of what we were trying to um, share in the exhibition. So we had one in terms of connectivity, community, adaptability, sustainability, and responsibility. We managed to run two uh, in-person workshops, although we plan to do more, but the pandemic kind of put a stop to that. But on the whole, um, the, the number of people that got involved is actually massive. And in terms of the academics involved from UCL and beyond, total to about 44 academics. Next slide, please. So this is just an outline of how many people we think um, visited the exhibition. So we did an actual count, um, but this was over 15 days. On average, I think we managed to get at least 3,000 visitors over the 30 days. So, so basically, it was a massive event. Um, um, next slide, please. And then uh, I'll end on two slides here, really, just to kind of uh, give you an insight in terms of the feedback we've had some people. So, so we receive a fair amount of uh, feedback through the survey, the exhibition survey we gave out to people. One of the key questions we asked on that survey was um, give us one word to describe your day. And definitely we've had a lot of people say that they found it very interesting. Other people say it was very thought provoking. Um, some people felt concern about some of the ideas that was um, being raised around uh, sort of data sharing and privacy about um, sustainability and uh, climate change. Next slide, please. And then uh, finally, we had a very important question that we wanted to ask the public, which was really how should healthcare engineering scientists collaborate with the public? And, uh, you know, how can we design homes, for example, that will support all of us for the future? And as you can see, environmental sustainability was very much uh, a key theme through that. Uh, some people, a lot of people actually said that they wanted to test drive the new technologies with the public. Um, but there's very much a call for um, asking for real lived experience and real needs to inform research practice itself. So although we can't use this information for research as such, our plan is really to, to bring together um, uh, all these information, we will feed them back to our academics and hopefully 
um, this particular type of, of public engagement is something that will feed back into how our future healthcare engineers will consider um, these issues as they develop the, the technologies and the research they do for the future. So on that note, I will end with a massive apology about uh, the dog <laughs> barking in the background. Thank you. I will hand over to Mine now. Thanks so much, Marilyn. Uh, such a nice cover. And I think uh, it brings us back to our exhibition times, the nice times from our project. Um, I think I, all my team uh, colleagues join uh, me in saying that it's, it's such a project which will remain a sentimental value for us for, for years and years. Uh, all the conversations that we have had, especially during the immersive exhibition time with the public, uh, that, that was really, really amazing to uh, have these uh, very meaningful conversations about science, technology and healthcare engineering, especially with public and as well as uh, early career researchers from from UCL. Um, so very, very few, uh, I think, points that I would like to share from academic perspective today. There are lots, uh, I think, lots of memories, lots of things, practicalities, tips um, to, to share with, with our audience today. And I'm very, very happy to be approached by, by the audience later if they have further questions about uh, the, the project itself, uh, but maybe if I may make uh, two, two key points, one of them is about uh, the team uh, and that we really, really had a, an amazing team spread and uh, that was a, a very, you know, different experience for me because I had few uh, public engagement uh, projects, but generally we had like one or two partners and in this one we had a massive team, but uh, they, they all brought very complementary and very different expertise as Marilyn very kindly showed in her slide, uh, we had experts uh, from public engagement and uh, all the art artistic approach, the creativity uh, has come from wonderful uh, liminal space and also the Museum of the Home. It was amazing to see their approach, you know, uh, how really we bring our academic ideas in, in, into the eyes of the public. Uh, that was amazing to have early career researchers of, of UCI, the young generation of engineers, having their uh, new insights uh, in the training workshops and embed them into, into our project idea. It was amazing to, to, to work with the marketing and communications uh, team of uh, wonderful uh, Institute of Healthcare Engineering because that was the first time I have learned that uh, the communication is, is key, especially in public engagement projects, to reach out different communities, audiences. Uh, and uh, we were uh, unfortunate to make most of our plannings during pandemic. Uh, and uh, the, the communications team uh, of the Institute, they, they were amazing to guide us in the right direction, to use alternative approaches and also using social media and all the other channels of UCL uh, to uh, make very nice noise about our project and have a very meaningful uh, two-way dialogue with public, especially in the deliverable stages of our project. Community partners, a, a big thanks to the community partners. We have invited them as uh, members of the advisory group, but they have been involved in many meetings of the of the project and uh, that was that was really great to hear you know what they think uh, public would be interested uh, what type of conversations that they would like to be involved uh, project management i think that that was you know a, a massive thanks to marilyn that we, we didn't skip a meeting although it was uh uh actually 
as I said, mainly during the lockdowns, uh, and it was really helpful. I think uh, if there is anyone in the audience who would like to start a new public engagement project, I think it needs to be treated as a, as a research project. We are maybe more familiar with the traditional research projects and deliverables and timelines of the project, but public engagement projects are, are really, really critical. And we, we really need to maintain these um, regular communication within the team and the planning stages is, is great. I'm, I'm quite you know, fearful about uh, forgetting anyone, uh, but uh, in a way, when I say the multiple partners, uh, you see us amazing um, public engagement uh, team and experts. I'm very you know, big thanks to Ben Littlefield about sharing his insight, his expertise uh, from beginning to the end uh, when it comes to evaluation of the project and post-event evaluations. I think these are quite critical to reflect on the experiences. And from academic side, you know, I learned a lot about the, the role of every individual individual uh, in the team and, and the, 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 the leadership. Uh, we are very thankful to Professor Rebecca Shipley about sharing her, her vision, institute vision. Uh, and that, that was really good to have, you know, that vision embedded every to the every stage of the of the project. Uh, and uh, the, the other key thing was about uh, the deliverables of the project, because we mentioned about this creativity and novelty, and it was beyond just having a, a workshop with the public, and it was about like uh, having them, you know, uh, you know, together with the community partners at different stages of the project during designing and developing uh, different uh, components of the project, but also uh, the, the immersive exhibition was uh, a different one to, to see that, you know, we, we really need that environment, we really need this space. So I think um, from academic perspective, uh, running this project during the pandemic really taught me about the, the hybrid approach, you know, where we really need to tap into the online resources like the mirror boards, you know, discussions around these online, you know, activities, but also um, using the, the, the traditional styles a little bit of touch, you know, the novelty like this immersive exhibition to make sure that we, we are really having very uh, creative conversations uh, with our target audience, the public. And uh, also that was that was amazing uh, to, to work with the different disciplines. I'm such a fan of the cross-disciplinary approach of, uh, of, of, of our institutes, uh, schools at UCL, and we, we have a real, real, real powerful approach into cross-disciplinary sciences and in that context that was great to me as a life scientist to meet with engineers uh, healthcare engineers uh, and also social scientists uh, the amazing science and technology department and and i had the greatest opportunity to to work with kian as well uh, in this project to to hear about you know insights you know how we can actually bring these different perspectives together and share share with the public so as i said lots to share but uh, i think the, these are the highlights uh, for me from an academic side to share with our audience today Thank you. Thank you such, so much, Mina. That was really, really interesting. Um, and now we're going to pass over to Kian um, for his insights from the project as an academic as well. Great stuff. So you should see a big picture of a, a house there, right? Do you see that, Alice? Yep. Great. And there's an important thing to say about this house. This is not tomorrow's home, right? This is a sheltered housing scheme on the south coast of England. Um, there's over 90 flats here. There's over 100 residents aged between 55 and 99. And it's been here for 30 years, um, which leads me to believe it's likely to be here for another 30 years. 
And I think it's as much a home for the future as any other. So if we're thinking about tomorrow's home, one of the things I've been thinking about, and this and the, and the exhibition is, has helped me think about, is places uh, like this. But I want to talk for a minute about Graham, who actually works uh, in this home. And I want to use that story to show three ways a project like Tomorrow's Home can be really critical, uh, can be a really critical piece of um, interdisciplinary research infrastructure for folks right across UCL. And so this is getting exactly at what Mine has just mentioned there. So let's have a look. Um, let's go inside the home and, and have a look what's here. So Graham, uh, which is not his real name, uh, is actually the head of engineering for the operators who manage this scheme. Um, and that's a big job. There's thousands of home acro homes across the, the, the UK in, in schemes like this. And it's Graham's main job to install home video monitors. So this is today's technology. I mean, if you'd been watching Star Trek 30 years ago, even the next generation, something like that, you'd have seen things like this in the Starship Enterprise. But this is out there today. You might have a, a monitor like this inside your home to, to let delivery drivers or, or, or neighbors in. Um, in this case, what Graham's installing is, is literally designed to save lives in the first instance. So if a resident has a fall, um, they tap one of these things or they pull a cord or they press a button on their wrist uh, and help uh, arrives at some stage. Um, so this really is about today's technologies and this, our interest in this, um, our interest in this arrived because of, uh, because of a project in which we're exploring the impacts of kind of these technologies, the long-term social and environmental impacts. And some of the stuff Marilyn talked about in terms of kind of responsibilities, obligations, um, regulations around, uh, around technologies today and their impact into the future. So we, we thought, okay, we've, we've, we've found out about tomorrow's home and we said, okay, let's, let's organize a workshop at tomorrow's home. And we sent this invitation that you see here to Graham to come to London, to come to East London, uh, Shoreditch, and be part of a, be part of a workshop um, where we wanted to get people like Graham who work in these places and a whole diversity of other people to tell us what was at stake for them from their different perspectives um, when they're either thinking about the future, when they're designing the future, and so on. Um, I guess what was, what was interesting about this, we had a fairly diverse group of 16 people, um, and this exhibition really helped people like Graham explore, well, we helped Graham explore the, the, the exhibit, but you could tell Graham was, was a bit nervous. Um, he didn't exactly think this was the kind of thing for him. He's not from London. Uh, he was the only workshop attendee who had driven that morning, for instance, and got in a car. Uh, he didn't look like he did workshops in East London museums very often, or possibly ever. Um, but nevertheless, Graham's a middle-aged, white, British engineer. Um, and this type of person is not underrepresented um, when we think about engineers and we think about the people installing and designing these kind of video systems. Um, and, and, and because of this, I think it's exactly why having someone like Graham was, uh, here was important. And it's exactly why the following statement is, is really important. So about halfway through the exhibition, and, and you've seen the photos, Graham spent a lot of time in there. He turned to me and he said, I install technology in sheltered accommodation every day. I'm technology's greatest advocate. But this exhibition has made me think about my work in a totally different way. Way. And the important thing 
for us here, wasn't that Graham came away thinking, oh, what have I done with my life? It's, you know, maybe this is, there's a bad future coming down the track or, hey, pat on the back, I'm doing a great job. Rather, the point is Graham, we, I think we were able to help Graham look at things from a different point of view. And I think we were able to elicit from Graham and other participants in, in that workshop um, their different divergent points of view, but also where they, those things came together. So I think ultimately, I think why exhibits research infrastructure uh, are important. Um, I think there's, there's three points, right? I think, um, first of all, we should look at exhibits like Tomorrow's Home as research infrastructure, as well as public engagement. They help us work with people like Graham. They help us bring them somewhere. They help elicit kind of different views and different values. And that's really important. Um, and I think it's really important because if people like Graham are making decisions that impact all of us, um, seeing these things from a different point of view can be really important. Um, okay, point two. Doing interdisciplinary work, and I'm going to talk about kind of UCL's, um, UCL's kind of new strategy, maybe that will encourage some of this in a minute, but it means working across different scales. Um, I'm a social scientist. I look, at, I, I look at what's happening across society. I look at maybe some of the threes and fours in, 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 in this picture. The economy, what's happening in politics, what's happening in, in legal environment. The great thing about something like Tomorrow's Home was that it allows me talk across these scales with folks who are looking at, 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 at microbes in the home, who are looking at plants in the home, who are looking at different bits and pieces. So often as we progress through, through a, an academic career, our focus becomes narrower and narrower and we push out thinking about other things. Projects like this in a very real tangible and, and kind of way we can actually touch and feel and sometimes smell, help us, uh, help us put those scales back together. So that's the second way I think this is really uh, important for us. And I think that the, the third way um, this kind of public engagement research infrastructure um, can be really important is back zooming back out into UCL's strategic agenda. And I think we have some lessons to add to kind of ongoing strategies around the goals and missions or whatever else emerges from the, from the new promise plan. I think there's two problems with missions, for example, that we're, we seem to be focused on a lot. I think missions set certain directions, rightly or wrongly, and, 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 and point a lot of us in that direction. And, and missions, because they're, they're very big type of research, they're ambiguous. So the critical issue that, that something like Tomorrow's Home and this kind of engagement and infrastructure can help us with is saying, what's at stake in these missions? Who interprets the missions? Where are they? Where are they situated? So I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. I think a project like this is super generative. I think we didn't know all the answers of where we'd get there at the start, um, although I think Mine's vision was absolutely incredible and having somebody like Mine on the team is, is an absolute must if you want to get something like this done. But for me, one of the big pieces was, was the, some of those conversations across those scales that it forces along the way. And I, and I hope however UCL's strategic plan develops over the next year, it, it, can, it can pay attention to some of these kind of projects that are happening on campus. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kian. Um, yeah, I fully, fully agree with everything. And, and hopefully um, the strategy that's been developed at UCL facilitates, um, you know, more work in that area. Um, just before I kind of move on to my reflections, um, just a reminder that we are taking questions in Slido. 
Um, so if you go to sli.do in your browser and you enter the event code hashtag future home, you'll be able to ask our amazing speakers your questions about the exhibition. So please do uh, go ahead and pop those in there. Okay, so uh, to wrap up, I just would like to share my perspective um, on being involved in the Tomorrow's Home project, um, albeit on a much, much smaller scale than uh, Kian, Minet and Marilyn, who really did uh, lead the charge. So uh, like I said at the beginning, um, I'm in the IHE marketing and communications team. So alongside my colleague, Georgina Cade, who's currently on to comment, our role was to ensure that A, people knew about the exhibition and B, they actually came along. So that sounds very simple, doesn't it? Um, but it's always a challenge to engage with people beyond your usual bubble, um, especially in academia. And this exhibition was no different from that. Um, we had a couple of things that worked really well in our favor though. Um, and one of those was the fact that we had built up a really good kind of body of work in the healthy aging space. Um, and we had a network of local organizations interested in the healthy aging space. Um, so one of these initiatives was some work that we did in 2020 was the Age Innovation Hub, which was an online interactive platform where we asked members of the public of all ages, backgrounds, whatever, to share their thoughts, concerns, and ideas around healthy aging with us so that that would help inform what we do as an Institute of Healthcare Engineering. It would help make sure that we are focusing on the right areas, the areas that people um, are concerned around. And so through that activity, we, we gained some really, really good connections. Um, so having these, these networks and contacts in place was, was really crucial and really helpful. Um, Minet also leads the Celebrage, Celebrate Age uh, unit at UCL, so, so she was really tapped in in this area. Um, so our contacts like Age UK, sorry, that's like the worst time to get a phone call. Um, our contacts like Age UK, the Agile Aging Allowance, uh, Alliance and many others like that um, were enormously helpful in helping to spread the word of the exhibition, um, speaking to their clients who are exactly the types of people that we want to reach, um, and also providing their perspectives to inform the exhibition content um, and forming part of our events lineup, which was, um, you know, very, very busy, as Marilyn has alluded to. Um, another thing which really shaped our marketing work for this project um, was working with the creative agency, The Liminal Space. Uh, they were brilliant to work with and um, they exposed us to very different ways of approaching the communications and marketing perspective. Um, you know, if you are a marketing professional at UCL, you know that we have, you know, we, ha we, we have different ways of doing things from the private and the creative sectors. And so uh, they were wonderful at um, showing us a new way of approaching this, um, particularly in terms of PR, where they had many of their own contacts. Um, and also the UCL media team were, were wonderful from that, from that um, PR perspective, media perspective as well. So promotion avenues that worked really effectively for us were print and digital media. Um, the liminal space held a press breakfast at the museum um, a couple of days before it went live to the public, which gave journalists a sneak peek at um, all the wonderful contraptions and storytelling that was going on inside. Um, 
and that went really well and we definitely reached people that that wouldn't have been on our usual radar for example Hackney Social Radio came along and were really interested in it and um, we had the London Live News come along and Minet and um, some of our other academics gave interviews for that. Um, the biggest coup and this really came out of the liminal spaces own connections but goes to show like how the importance of having that network and just kind of taking advantage of the right opportunity at the right time uh, was landing a cover feature on the Observer magazine. So Sarah Douglas, the director of the liminal space was interviewed for that. Um, a few of our academics were, were featured in that. And it was, um, it was a deep dive into not just the exhibition, you know, this is happening, come along and see it, but the themes as well. And I think this worked really well for framing the exhibition because one of the things that we were conscious of is this exhibition isn't going to be you know like those big conventions you see in Las Vegas where it's like these are all the amazing things that are going to fill your home in 20 years time you know we're not Samsung we don't have that incredible budget this was really an imaginative piece alluding to the themes of how much you know invasion of privacy are you comfortable with if it benefits you um you know, how much tech is too much tech? Um, what is ethical when it comes to AI? Like we had a screen where you could speak to your dead granny and it like knew all her mannerisms and conversation topics. So the, the Observer piece set the scene for that. And I think it meant that visitors who read that were really well prepared for what they were coming to see. Um, we also made timeouts list of things to do in London this weekend, which is a dream. Um, and we had muse museum staff said that visitors specifically showed up citing the observer and the timeout pieces and asking to see the exhibition. So that was really affirming. Um, moving on to the event side of things, that was kind of that was an enormous piece of work. It was one of the um, you know as as the marketing team that was really um, our focus whilst the exhibition was live. Um, so, like Marilyn said, we had a wonderful range of events to complement this exhibition and engage even further with community members. We were very conscious that we were slash are still living in a time where COVID is a concern for many people, um, you know, particularly older and vulnerable community members who were the focus of, of this exhibition. So, Really, our worst nightmare was, you know, holding an in-person event that would become like a super spreader event and, and affect the vulnerable people that, that we that we, you know, really wanted to protect but also engage with. So we had to consider how do we responsibly combine face-to-face -face opportunities for those who wanted them? And it was clear that those were very needed, um, with virtual opportunities for those who couldn't or preferred not to attend in person. Um, I think we achieved a good balance about this. So we had about, we had eight webinars. We had six in-person events, not all of which were able to take place because of the circumstances, which I'll mention in a bit. But um, I think uh, by late 2021, and I say this as a webinar, um, so very, very conscious about that. But I, I think by 2021, people were feeling some webinar fatigue and they were craving in-person contacts. Um, and we definitely noticed you know, a bit of an, an, an energy difference with the physical events where that energy was really palpable, even behind the face masks, you know, 
um, those constraints that were in place. Um, and with Tomorrow's Home, we really wanted to celebrate the amazing work of our researchers who are developing life-changing technologies. Um, and, you know, so a physical exhibition after so long without face-to-face -face contact with their peers was a really wonderful opportunity. And we held a launch event um, in November where we invited all members of the UCL community, our academics, the people who were involved from the community and making it a reality. And that was just such a special, um, special event you know many people hadn't seen each other in two years um so it was a really wonderful opportunity um then of course omicron hit um and people reverted again to more cautious behaviors which meant um we cancelled some of our later in-person sessions um which was a shame but definitely the right thing to do um, and the museum was also forced to briefly close as a result of staff shortages, um, which happened around that time. So in terms of the sheer number of events in the time scale, I would say this is definitely the IHE's most ambitious event series ever. Um, ensuring there were enough opportunities for all types of people meant that the schedule got very, very busy. Um, we had 40 plus speakers, 600 registrations, um, eight online events, six in-person events planned. I think we did three of those. Um, so on reflection, this was a lot of events to juggle and we had good turnout, um, but we did definitely witness a drop off in attendees towards the end. And as Christmas approached, um, it became a bit more difficult to cut through. Um, so it was great to engage with such a wide range of speakers. Um, and we've had so many new opportunities and new connections come out of that. But for future projects, I think we would provide a more streamlined event offering to maximize that. Um, and from a personal perspective, just to wrap up, the exhibition was such a joy to be involved with. Um, like I said, it was very different from our normal communications and marketing activities, especially since I am in a science and engineering institute we have to make sure that we're dealing in um, concrete science and facts and having that imaginative explorative aspect um, stretched our skills and gave us an opportunity to work across new mediums um, and you know it's it's a source of pride to be able to make an impact and open people's eyes and and share the work that um, the the amazing work that's that's happening at UCL with so many new people um, so to conclude, I'd really like to thank my colleagues um, and everyone involved in pulling it together, especially Marilyn Aviles, who nurtured this project from a tiny seed and grew it into this amazing uh, real world exhibition. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, uh, Minneke and Marilyn, um, for your involvement in this. And yeah, it's been wonderful. So I am conscious that um, Let's move on to the Q&A, because um, we've had a few questions come through. So let me just open up the Slido and there's still, there's still a few minutes to get those in um, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask us. So for all of the speakers, what was your personal highlight of the exhibition? Do jump in. You should go first, highlight. 
I think for me, I, I spent a lot of time actually in the exhibition space, uh, one, to, to get people to fill in our survey as, as feedback. The highlight for me was um, children coming through and actually engaging with the exhibition, some young children reaching into the talking toilet and just being amazed by it. And, and people coming out actually looking like they were moved by some of the things they saw. So I think when we began this project ages ago, I think for me, the, the kind of, you know, with project management, you kind of think outputs, measures, KPIs, and so on. For me, the simple thing I wanted personally to happen is to get people to think, just to think about what it is we do. And, and it's lovely actually to see Kian's uh, feedback on that because I think we managed to do that and I think the feedback we got from the public very much reflected that it made them think it made them question um, and, and given it was happening during a time of pandemic it made the home as a space for well-being even more compelling so I think it added that new dimension really I think um, yes you know we didn't plan it with a pandemic in mind but the way in which it's played out I I think it really has put the home at the heart of things and what's come out of it as well is the other interest from people you know we've got a legacy from this project that Kian is doing the project potentially we will be doing in in India for example the home has been a real focus for a space for help yeah that's a really good point Marilyn and actually it's <laughs> might sound really silly but not one that hadn't occurred to me before yes this was a pandemic and we'd spent the home definitely took on new meaning for all of us I mean whether we were like reveling in that sort of hibernation or absolutely sick of it um our relationships with our homes did change didn't they yeah it's very prescient in in, in that respect I think so and yes yeah mm -hmm. Kian Mine any personal highlights for me, uh, I have lived in East London for 17 years um, and seen UCL signage there and seen the university get out of Bloomsbury. And I know UCL is all over London anyway, but, but seeing it um, about 500 metres from my flat was, was kind of, that was great. For me, I think the most unforgettable moment was just before the press breakfast when we had the opportunity to have a quick look at uh, immersive exhibition space uh, after having uh, wonderful conversations, brainstorming discussions with our wonderful team uh, and just stepping into, into tomorrow's home to Mantecuzzi. Uh, and I think the, the highlight of the, the entire project was the, you know, eye-opening conversations with the public thought-provoking was the key term that we received from the valuation and I think that was uh, such a big achievement uh, thinking us as researchers you know in a different direction that it's not all about just science you know this is an advancement you know we are working for better outcomes and really having meaningful conversations with the public do they really want it mm. how much they want it when they want it um, how we should maintain this two-way dialogue, you know, from early stage of our research activities, making sure that their view, perceptions, opinions are truly embedded into the research life. And that, that was the amazing platform, really. And, you know, 
we made lots of friends. I guess now we are we are uh, we are really uh, having the reflection stage of the project, and it's amazing to to have this uh, strong uh, team uh, to hopefully carry on uh, in this direction. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of a lot of connections and relationships have been built as a result of this project, which is, you know, such a great outcome. Um, we have one minute left, so I'm going to ask a simple in a simple statement question but might be quite a tricky one to answer um it might be of interest to people who would like to um do their own type of exhibition like this at ucl um so we have a question how do you ask a museum if you can use their space for your project so simple but uh <laughs> probably quite complicated I think from our experience, it was very much leaning into um, the expertise and the, and the network and the relationship that um, Sarah Douglas and the Manil Space have um, as, as the sort of an artistic design team. They, they've got all that network. And, and it was very much, I think, from my observation of it, you know, creating that relationship one-on-one. -on -one. I think one of the, the success and, and, and the driver for making this, this project really working in the way it should is that relationship building one-on-one, two-on-two. Um, a, a lot of conversation I had with people and getting them, you know, getting buy-in for the project is that personal relationship. And I think that's what Sarah managed to do with the Museum of the Home as well. And again, just to re reiterate, you know, the, the in-kind support they provided amounted to about 50,000 pounds. And, you know, it really leveraged the, the small amount of money we had originally for this. So I, I think, yeah, you approach somebody, <laughs> a named person, uh, and, and build that engagement from the very beginning. Thank you so much, Marilyn. And um, I think, fortunately, we'll have to leave the questions there as it is now two o'clock. Um, so we will let you get back to your days. But um, thank you so much for joining us this lunchtime. Um, we hope that it was interesting, enlightening, and maybe inspiring to do your own similar activities. Um, and as a group, we are so open to any of your questions. Um, if you'd like to learn more about the exhibition or how we went about it, then please do get in touch with us. Um, just Google the IHE. Um, so thank you very much to all of our speakers, uh, Mino, Kian and Marilyn for coming along today and sharing your perspectives. Um, and I will end it there. So have a good afternoon, everyone. And thank you, Alice, for sharing. <laughs> <It was fun. laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> thank you all so much. <laughs>